Disappointing, baffling, frankly. Getting me to make those mistakes one time in the last series. Oof. That was Sheldon Keefe on the start to the second period for the Toronto Maple Leafs last night, which to me goes, it's, it's hard to do this. It, it's hard to do what I'm going to say the Toronto Maple Leafs did last night, not outplay a team the way they didn't lose. That happens all the time. That's the sport. It's dumb. Welcome. Welcome to hockey. The dumbest, but it's hard to have a moment where you're such losers that I will remember your losery moment forever. Like it will go amongst the Galchenyuk turnover in overtime kind of moments. Like that, that's where that one goes. I tweeted right before the period started. This is going to be a high character moment for this team. I really wanted to see what learning to win meant for this group. I said it after game one. I've been saying it all series long. Hey, just because you won one series doesn't necessarily know you quote, know what it means to win, right? Leafs came out in that game and they dominated. They kicked ass. That was brilliant hockey for the first 10, 12 minutes of the game. I was having so much fun. So much fun. Do you see Maple Leaf Square? They're losing their minds. It was a felt like party in the city night. And then a bad goal happens and the Panthers are in the game. You go into the intermission and this is what I meant about the character moment. Come out and kick ass just like you did in the first you're clearly better than this Panthers team. Tighten it up. Don't make a mistake. Don't just give them a freebie. Don't give the counterpunch team a freebie. Settle back in. Steal the, don't steal this game. Take this game. Dominate this game. And Toronto comes out and they play the tightest seven, eight minutes that they've played arguably in the playoffs in the last two years. That was a nightmare of a, a comedy of errors like Nylander with a bad turnover, Marner with a bad turnover, Samsonov giving up kind of a weak goal, just soft, soft, tight play. And then they dominate the rest of the game. And that's the story. And I get it. We talked about it a lot last night on Leafs talk. And there are some positives to take out of this, even though they're down 2-0. But that to me is just where we're back to the intangibles talk with this group. We're just back to the, what, how are you going to be defined in this run? We all thought, Oh, well maybe they won't be defined just by first round exits. But yeah, you get uh, you get swept by the Florida Panthers. You lose in five games to the Florida Panthers. All that stuff is back, and your group is just continuously defined by losing. Anyway, just nightmare stuff. You could see how hot Keith was on the bench too last night. Oh, he uh, I think he's tried to really do a better job at containing his rage and anger. That that's been like a notable departure for him from mm-hmm. the past. But he just looked pissed off yesterday, and you knew you were going to get that kind of a spicy quote in the post game. You knew he was going to drop one like that. He wasn't going to show up and go, oh, so great we outplayed the other team last night, guys. Hey, we were great. We were doing well. Maybe if that was game one, for that to be game two and for you to blow that lead in that fashion, boy, oh, boy, just an awful, awful, awful way to lose. And, baffling. yeah, congrats. Yeah, baffling. Baffling, Sheldon. Again, doesn't feel too baffling considering the track record of the team. <laughs> Feels actually kind of what's the On opposite brand? of baffling? Yeah. Oh, just predictable. Yeah, probably felt a little predictable. I hate that I felt as though it was going to be different. Anyways, um, at least they did play really well. At least they didn't just completely go away in that game. So I give the minus points for character for just 
going to sleep at the start of the second period when, again, they're just, they're better. They're better than Florida. They're exactly what we said they were. They get plus character for, I guess, battling down the stretch and just running into a hot goalie, but they put themselves in that position anyways. Christopher Stee, two-time Stanley Cup champion, creator of the Clever app. And like I said last night on Leafs Talk, which, again, subscribe and review to both. Follow it. Listen to it after every single game. If you're a parent, you got kids in youth sports, you're a coach, you're involved in youth sports, you should be getting the Clever app. Chris, what's up, buddy? What's going on? What uh, is up? Yeah, bad. It's not good. It's Friday, and just all of a sudden you thought everything was happy in the city, everything was cool. It was Leafs in the second round, people dreaming about long runs. Leafs come out to start that game last night, and it's just pure domination. I'm texting you very excitedly, right? I think a lot of Leaf fans were very stoked. And then all of a sudden the game turned on its ear, and and they lose it. I'm just going to – I'll start with this. How do you deal with a game like that as a player, especially like in the playoffs, not a regular season game? I'm talking about a moment like that where you kick the other team's ass, but you play a bad couple of minutes, it bites you in the ass, and now you're staring down a goaltender who – has that level of pedigree and is playing at that level? Oh, I mean, you're going to go back home at night and you're going to replay every single thing through your mind that you did wrong that puts you in that situation. So if you're, if you're McCabe, everyone thinks that's that Nylander's fault. It was part of Nylander's fault, but it's a little bit of McCabe. If you're Bunting, if you're Matthews, if you're Marner, if you're these guys that contributed to those errors at a major time of the game, you will probably not sleep very well. And I've been in that situation. Again, in those games, in those moments, you can't make those errors. But I'll tell you what, you don't sleep very well, but you got to start to think about what you can do in those moments and learn from them. So if they happen again or if those situations happen again, that they never come back and bite you. Because the sleep you get, after a game like that is horrible. There's really nothing else to say. Dude, same with me, just so you know. I finished Least Talk, and I also... You, you, you think about being a fan or, or a radio broadcaster, and you're like, oh, man, if we would have done this and this, and mm-hmm. it could be 1-1. And, and as a player, you have that in your mind times 100 because mm-hmm. it's you who are in that moment. You're the one who made those plays. So it, it's very hard to get through. The best teams... They understand how to get through it consistently time and time again. And those players, when you talk about riding the wave or going up and down, the Mm. best players and the best teams keep it as level as possible. So the best teams, hopefully they fall asleep at two. The worst teams, they don't go to bed at all. So hopefully the Leafs fall asleep at two. Dude, that's what's so frustrating about this Leafs team, right, is they, they, they just show it. But then they, they do ride those waves. People say it's the fan base all the time. They go, the fan base is always so up and down. You guys either think you're winning the Stanley Cup or you think you've got the worst team in hockey and it's fire everybody. And you go, yeah, that's because they can show those two levels. that <laughs> They do this. Yeah. Where sometimes they're riding that first period wave or the way that they looked in the third where they're just kicking somebody's teeth in. And, and I, like I tweeted in the first period, I go, if the Leafs play that way throughout the rest of the playoffs, like no one's beating that team that showed up for the first 15 minutes of that hockey game. That's the best team that's left. I'm sorry. There's, there's just no one that is more talented top to bottom, to, like uh, it, the roster than that right. group. Yeah. You're right, but that type of play is not sustainable. Sure. It's not sustainable over 60. So the rest of your game, 
it's, it's game management it comes down to as well because you're going to have bursts like that first period. You're right. There is no other team left in hockey that can play with that sustained pressure time and time again. Wave. Guys coming at you with skill. They're coming at you with so many different ways and so many different looks. So that type of game, though, is not sustainable over the course of 60 minutes. And you could see that. It fell off after they got scored against. And then, you know, the second period starts differently. A couple turnovers. The rest of the game has to be managed. And you have to manage it as a coach properly because, again, I'm coaching a kids tournament right now, J.D., and I have one of the best players probably in the country on my team. And we're up 5 nothing. This kid, you know, he starts going end-to-end and going through three goals or three guys, and then they score, right? And you try to tell these people, you try to tell the kids, especially at a young age, you cannot give other teams goals. It's the same thing for the pros. You cannot just give guys things and gift things, especially when you're up. Because again, that type of game being up five nothing for kids or two one or two nothing for pros is not sustainable over the course. So you have to manage games again as a coach and as a player. So I just don't know if the team can come out and play like that game, yet manage the rest of the 60 minutes and what they need to do to win. Yes, they can, but can they actually execute it when it needs to be? So, yeah, you're right. They come out in the third, and they're incredible again. Nylander's incredible, but it's just, is it sustainable? No. Yeah. Okay, then. So what is it then when that goal goes the other way? Is that what you're talking about, is just the, the energy level to keep that up? You have to be playing as basically front runners where nothing goes wrong because it felt like it felt like the entire building, everybody knew it. Anybody that has basically watched more than what five games knew that they were in trouble when that first puck went in and that the next one was going to be just absolutely massive. But what happens there where all of a sudden Florida seems to find their legs, Toronto starts losing attention to detail, and you have that final five minutes of the first and then something that extends into the second period. Well, you would hope that the energy of the team wouldn't change after the goal against. Again, if I'm looking at the goal and kind of breaking it down, I don't like what Lilligren does. He's got to eat that puck in the corner. You cannot chip that puck to a forward behind the net. That's not a natural play for a forward. And Giordano's on the wall. So Lilligren has to eat that. I think as a whole, they just got to go back to it, right? They've had, they were forechecking hard. They were attacking hard. But then again, that puts you on your heels a little bit. I think it's a little bit of a fragile mindset. Oh my goodness, we're playing this good. We get scored against now. It's two mm-hmm. one. It should be ten one. You can't. You got to keep going. You got to keep pressing, and you got to keep playing. But again, they Florida gets in through that first period. They get into the, um, the intermission. They come out for the second period, and they gift them two goals. But if I look at the start of the first goal. McCabe, right? Nylander actually doesn't open up. That's a face-off win. That's a design play to exit the zone fast. Nylander doesn't open up. He keeps his back to McCabe, and then McCabe panics, and then he tries to come to the middle. Then it goes to Nylander. Then he falls, right? That's a that's just a design play where Nylander's not paying attention to detail. He's sleeping at the start of the period, and then he doesn't get the puck, and then and then McCabe actually screws up where he should have just went up the wall and lived to fight another day when his winger wasn't ready. Same thing for Marner. Marner comes back up the wall. He doesn't get it out of the zone. He's just got to get that out of the zone. Obviously, the Matthews thing, but then bunting overskates the puck too. Everyone's not even, no one's even talking about bunting on that play. He overskates the puck as well. So, again, those are things that can't happen. When you've got sustained pressure, you've got to go right back at it. Get it out of your mind. Don't ride the wave. They got scored against. It was like they went into a lull. Then the intermission happens. Then they go into an attention to detail issue. And then all of a sudden, they're like, holy crap, we got to play hockey again. We got to play hockey. We got to get back to what we do. And they did that. And they got their chances. 
But those things throughout a game, if you don't know how to manage a game, manage the puck, and you have that attention to detail, then what you do at the start is not going to be sustainable throughout a 60 minutes. Well, this is why, too, I get worried about the whole branding of them being a regular season team, because that just has regular season energy to me, is where you're playing better and the other team more than likely is going to go to sleep when you play that way, right? If they came out with that type of engagement or anything even close to it, then yeah, they're probably up in the game 3 nothing. Maybe Bobrovsky doesn't even make one of those saves. They're probably not checking the Leafs as hard when they decide to be down a goal, and then Toronto still is able to find a way to come back and, and win that game. Like, we've seen them do that so many times. I just the, the learning to win thing keeps sticking with me over and over and over again because it just it seems like they just... Yeah, they won one series. Like I, They're not a pedigree team at this point. They keep saying they're learning from the losing, but I felt that same thing. The, Did the, you hear the Paul fragility. Maurice after the game? Did, Did I, you hear Paul Maurice? He's like, dude, we didn't yeah. even have our legs. Yeah, I we, did. We, we, we had nothing. And our team found a way to fight back, but it was, it was gifted back, essentially. Yep. Good teams can win when they don't have their legs. They can still manage pucks. They can still manage the game and get to their game to execute when they need to. And that's what Florida did. I, I I look at Florida's defense. They're like a half AHL defense. It's bad. That's the thing. Toronto should be caving them in. Caving them. They are not good. They are not good. And I don't even think they check particularly that well, especially in their own zone. They have guys like Gudis who run around. He's out of, I mean, think about that first goal where he tries to run or run Riley. Like this O'Reilly Riley thing messes me up. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So he tries to run Riley in the corner pops by him, you know, he's all over the ice, but Gudis runs around all period. Stahl has, you know, Stahl keeps it simple and he helps Montour, but I look at their back end and, and I mean, they're like, if you pressure them and if you can keep that sustained attack, you're going to expose them all night long and you got to finish on your chances. But especially when Paul Maurice's own coach, their own coach is acknowledging we have no legs. We needed to find a way through. He even said the Boston series was much harder than this. Mm-hmm. You know, the first four games was way more physical, was much harder, was much more taxing. And they were, as a coaching staff, very concerned about their team's legs. But he gave them a game plan that allowed them to execute. They did counter off of some mistakes. And that's where the Leafs do have to put them away, especially on a team that is tired. And again, you know, full credit to Paul Maurice, but they got to find a way to get that team down and put them away. Yeah, 100%. When you're saying that, I thought that the Maurice comments about Boston was more mind games. Like, he is talking a lot of trash. And he did it again last night. They're they're going back and forth. The coaches are trading their opinions on the the play that hurts Nyes and then on the cross-checks from Bennett into Bunting's back, which I actually did really hate those cross-checks. Uh, if one I gets, think that's worse than nice. I, I of think course should, it is, man. Yeah, it's like, worse than nice. The cross-check's bad. The second one that he puts into his back, right, because he takes the penalty, and then that's also an infuriating thing for me. I kind of love it, but I also hate it. Uh, I guess maybe when my team's on the receiving end of it is when the guy takes the extra liberty after he's already gotten a penalty and he decides to get his money's worth, and I go, why is that not a second one? Like, so you called it. Why can't it be two? If if the first well, infraction, the side of the neck. That's what I mean. Like, but the first one, but then another. He gave him two. I, I don't know. What do you think of that play? Well, it's a bad. That's a bad cross check, and it didn't ride up the shoulder pad. I think Bennett was going for the shoulder, uh, but it rode up right into the side of the neck. And then yeah, the he second goes one down sure and gives, wasn't for the, the shoulder. Sh- yeah, no, he gives him the shot in the back. Yeah, right after he goes down, after he gives a cross check right in the neck, but. You know, the nice thing was a bit of a, you know, they're they're tangled up and he goes down with force. I did, you know, 
I didn't like it. I don't know if that's a suspendable play. I think it's two guys battling behind the net. I do think that that bunting cross-check to the net has to be something, whether it's one game or whatever they call it. But again, he did kind of reference the Matthews cross-check. I did think it was pretty similar. Mm-hmm. Um, there was force behind it, and it was, you know, it did hit a guy in a very vulnerable position. So I thought that was much worse than the Nice situation. Yeah. I agree. I will say that the Nice, there is a little bit of like a takedown element to it. I know it's yeah, two guys battling, yeah. but there's definitely a little bit of... You know when you go down to the the ground with somebody, down to the ice with somebody, like it, how to fall. Especially when you're a pro athlete, you're very in control of your body. And the way he kind of gets slammed, I looked at that part of it as it's dirty, but it's not suspendable. Maybe you mix in a fine there. The cross checks, given that Matthews, I'm glad that Keith remembered that one. Of course he would. But yeah, it was uh, Darlene, right? That yeah, it was Dolly. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was at the outdoor game. Right, it outdoor was the outdoor game, game. But Matthews got suspended two games for that. It wasn't one. And so I, I'm trying to do the math of always like they say one playoff game is three regular season games, so it's not quite a suspension. I like I don't know how to decipher that one, but yeah, would it shock you if he does end up getting a call from the league on that? And like yeah, they actually discuss it being a game. Well, you know, if you kind of look at it, if it is you know, two regular season games for Matthews uh-huh. and say that nice takedown is technically a half a playoff I like game. This I don't know if, if they're looking at this, right. Yeah. If they're looking at two separate incidents of one guy hurting two players, but, and they want to give them one game, I wouldn't be shocked if Bennett gets, again, I am adding up like it's math. Yeah. I like that. I, you are looking at two separate incidents where guys get hurt on two separate plays. So uh, if I, if I see that and he gets a game, I wouldn't be shocked at all. Mm-hmm. So how do you try to change puck luck with a goalie? I mean, we played against, when I played on teams in the past and we played against guys like Roberto Luongo, who's playing with, uh, you know, Vancouver at the time. And he was playing incredible. The biggest thing was traffic, traffic, getting in there, having guys get in his kitchen, rattling him each and every shift. I remember big buff would go right to the net and he would go inside the crease. And he would make Luongo push on him. I know the game's changed. I know it has changed. I ain't stupid. But you got to get in there. you got to create traffic. And you got to bump the goalie. You have to make his life miserable each and every shift. If I do look at a lot of those opportunities, it is guys not in front. There's a lot of clear shots. And he is, you know, he's, he's dialed in right now. His rebound control is great. And he's not giving out second and third chances. But the Leafs are really relying off a lot of counter. You know, that's where they are at the best. They counter off of uh, turnovers and they come in off the rush and they can create plays because they're so skilled. But again, there's no traffic in front. So it gives Bob a lot of time to see the puck. They're going to have to get sustained ozone pressure and get guys to the net and make it miserable. And that's where playoff teams win at the end of the day. They win because they're scoring on sustained ozone pressure and they're getting second and third waves coming in. You know, they hem a team in the zone. One team comes off, next team comes on, and that's where you get your goals. You have to build for goals in the playoffs, and if the Leafs want to win, that's what they're going to have to start doing. Yeah, it was, it was a good observation by Borny yesterday, actually, on Leafs Talk. We were having a discussion about Bobrovsky, and he noted that he had not written down too many times where the Leafs got more than one opportunity, right? And part of that is uh, all credit to Bobrovsky, where it's the rebound control that you referenced, where he is just so locked in. He's, just, he's really seeing the puck right now. And yeah, he's playing phenomenal, but that Toronto, basically it's just, you know, one shot play over dead, one shot play over dead, one shot play over dead. And yeah, that's not that, or at least that didn't really work for them too much yesterday. It was the, yeah, the plays where you're getting, like you said, the multiple opportunities on net, trying to make him work 
trying to move him around a little bit. Man, it's just it's going to be just the most Toronto thing ever if they <laughs> finally win a first round series and then lose in four or five to a hockey team that only exists because of the Toronto Maple Leafs and has the guy that everyone chided as the worst contract in hockey with one of their former coaches behind the bench like that. It's just it's it's feeling like too too poetic for this tortured fan base. So, let me put it this one this plain and simple. Is this series over? Not a chance. Okay. Not a chance. This, I think Florida is a good team. Mm-hmm. Nick Cousins is on a line with Matthew Kachuk. He is a good player. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, Lundell. He is a good player. You have a lot of good players over there playing great. We have a lot of great players at times playing good. And that's the difference. There's a lot better players on the Leafs. And they got to be in that room realizing, like, we're a much better hockey club. Man-to-man, we're better. We have more skill. We have more talent. Right now, they have more grit and determination. Obviously, they talk about their forecheck, things like that. They do play in very straight lines, and they're not giving you any goals. But they have a much better team as a whole, the Leafs do. And if they don't start to believe in that, then it's over. But if I'm looking that inside that room, there's no chance I have any belief that this is over because of the talent in that room. But they're going to have to be willing to do things that they haven't done in the past. Again, managing pucks at certain situations. Mitch is going to have to chip it out. He's going to have to get the puck out at times to live to fight another day. I get puck management. I love playing with the puck, too, just as much as anyone. Melander you're going to have to get gritty and you're going to have to do certain things at certain times that you don't want to either. But these guys are game breakers and they're some of the best in the league. They're just going to have to manage it a bit better, but this is not, this is far from over. I believe. Yeah. I feel it's hard to feel like it's over when Toronto's outplayed them the way they have. Right. Like even if you look at the the slot, the high danger chances in this series right now, it's, it's a complete and utter domination for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And so, yeah, I think that you can have some optimism, especially the way that your stars close that game. The only thing that does scare me um, is what we've been talking about is that that fragility when things start to go wrong and that feeling like Toronto just takes a, a step too long to find their level and to find themselves again. And, and that's, yeah, that's that's the thing again you saw yesterday. Both ways. Yeah. That, that, that fragility can go both ways. You have to put a seed of doubt in their sure. mind too. I mean, whether it's they come out and, you know, if, if the Leafs go up 2 nothing, then it's 3 nothing, 4 nothing, mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, in the next game, you have to lay the hammer down. Sure. And you have to put the seated out in their mind. You talk, there is fragility. It can go both ways, and momentum is super fragile. It's a very, it's a very fickle thing. So these guys need to put the seated out back in their mind because, you know, now all of a sudden the Florida Panthers start thinking if they go, uh, you know, it's 2-1. All of a sudden the Leafs go 2-1 next game. All of a sudden, the Florida Panthers start to go to bed at night. What did I do in that game? Why isn't it 3 nothing? What did I not do? What, mm-hmm. what check did I not make? So, again, it is very fragile, and that's why the playoffs, you know, Stanley Cup playoffs are the hardest thing to win because it's the guys who don't ride the roller coaster enough. But you're right. They're, they're going to have to lay the hammer down, and they're going to have to bring out – they're, they're going to have to win next game at the end of the day. Yeah. Desperation is going to have to show up and they will have to win next game in order to get back in it. Yeah, I I guess just the difference with the fragility thing is that Toronto, they finally win a series. They get into the next round. They're pretty... I, I like they're pretty heavy favorites in this series, right? You look at where they finished in the standings. A lot of people looking at Florida and saying, boy, they caught Boston at the exact right time, just as their team was wearing down and they got outplayed in a couple of games. They got some goaltending. They get some bounces. They get some fortuitous counterpunch goals. 
And for Toronto, the, the really frustrating thing about that game is you mentioned it. Florida plays in straight lines and they capitalize on turnovers, right? That's the one way they're going to come back on you. That's the one way they're going to beat you. And Toronto just starts a period where they completely open the door and they just say, yeah, the one area that we couldn't do horrific turnovers in our own end that end up in the back of our net right away. Here you go. And now we'll play the rest of the game where we tighten up. And if you're Florida, I got to be thinking, all right, yeah, you blow the, let's say you lose the next game of the series. I'd be looking at it as a a player saying, well, we probably should have split only in that first one. Now we're still up 2-1 at home with another game to be up 3-1 on home ice. And we're playing with house money. We're not even supposed to be here. Plus, we came back down 3-1 against the so-called greatest team that was ever assembled. Why can't we close out against these guys? I just, I feel like planting that seed of doubt in that Florida team now, it's probably going to take more than one game, dude. A hundred percent. But, you know, when I look at ice time, too, for the Leafs, if you're going to have to start to get other guys in the line. I know we're talking about a seed of doubt, but I want to go back to this second. Mm-hmm. Alex Kerfoot played 12, 12 and a half minutes, I think, last night. He scored a goal in the first period. It's going to take Keith as well to recognize who's going in games and ride them. Ride that guy. I thought Kerfoot was going, again, 12 and a half minutes for a guy who scored isn't enough minutes. Mm-hmm. For an offensive guy, especially when a guy like Nyes goes down, and you're needing guys to step up to get you a goal right? These are things that Keith doesn't do well. He hasn't done it well in the past. He doesn't go to hot hands when Spezza was hot in the past. He didn't go to Spezza. He kept him between nine and 12 minutes too. These are things though, that are going to help you get back in this series is recognizing who's going. It may be Yarncroc. Yarncroc's been not good, not good. But if in the first five minutes in the next game, he's going, ride him, ride the guys that are going. And that's the way you're going to get back in the series. And that's what Florida does. He doesn't care if your name is Lundell or Lusterinen or whatever it may be. Paul Maurice will ride the guy that's going. Reinhardt, you know, he was minus one, but he actually had a pretty good first game. He starts to ride him in game two because he's one of the better guys that are going. This is what Keith needs to do in this next two games is start to figure out and gamble on what guy is going to get his team back in the series. So when I look at it as, as a holistic thing, that's the first step to it. Start to implement, you know, if you go, Get one game, focus on that. Get the next game, focus on that. Mm-hmm. But it comes back down to the coaches getting the guys who are going out on the ice more. Matthews and Marner are both at 25 minutes in that game. 20, yeah. 25? Yeah, <laughs> 20, 25 minutes for those two guys. Almost 22 for Tavares. And then you look at the rest of the forward distribution, and it's just a, it's a mess. Like it's, well, and I, I know they lost a forward in that game, but you can go back and look at this. This was a theme throughout the Tampa series. Yeah. What, what do you think about the way that Keith is managing the bench right now? Yeah, again, you're, you're, I, I love riding horses. Mm-hmm. No doubt. You need to ride your horses. You need them to win, but you also need other guys throughout your lineup. If I look at teams that I played on in the past, you know, Bolin, myself, and Lad would play 20 minutes some nights. When we played Vancouver and we'd be matched up against the Sedins, sometimes Hosa would have 16 to 18 minutes. Again, Hosa's way better than me, no doubt, but he realized that was a matchup we need in order to get that job done. And we were also playing well. We were scoring against them. We were doing other things besides just flipping the puck out of the zone. But we had, we had roles. We had such significant jobs that we needed to execute that we understood it. And sometimes I wonder if the Leafs as a whole, if their bottom guys truly understand what executing a role means. So I've always 
I do look at that as their weakness. Do guys truly understand what they need? And then if a guy is going, is he going to be relied on by the coach enough to help that team get a win? Because it's not always going to be Matthews, Marner, Nylander. You're going to need Kerfoot like he scored that OT winner against Tampa. You're going to need other guys to win you series and win you rounds. But you also have to give them minutes. You have to ride those guys. And that's where Keith has always struggled the most in the past is understanding certain guys in certain situations who's going and giving them more. Mm. It's just, you got to feed the horse that's going at the end of the day. So the horse that was going in the third was Nylander. And he was gone. Yeah. Oh, he was incredible in the third, yeah. really. And yeah, he actually had some moments to close the second as well. Um, obviously the, the turnover to start the second period. And, you know, you mentioned that it's not as much maybe his fault as most of us would see it. Um, boy, he was not great in game one and he's gone now. This is six games of the goal, but you kind of give him a little bit of a pass on that after yesterday where there's just opportunities and man, Tavares just, you got to finish one of those three opportunities that Nylander just puts right uh, like a pillow on your stick with nothing but a wide open net three separate times in that game. But what do you what do you make of him, man? Because I, I know he's like the league enigma, but yesterday I mentioned on my other show, that's why he gets criticized more than any other player in this market is because he can be that guy. But then, you know, the first period or the the, the, the first game of the series, you, like he's making horrific plays. And there, there's, some, there's some video clips of him in the D zone for some goals against through some of these games where it's just like he's completely asleep. Do you know how many texts I got from people going, Nylander is asleep, his head is in Sweden. And then all of a sudden he shows up for that third and he plays that way. I, like, I don't know what you do with that. Like, I, I don't know what that means moving forward in the series, right? Because if you get that guy going into game three, he shows up. And he plays that way in in Florida. You got to feel like, boy, you're already right back in this series. But it's crazy to have a player that talented where you look at it and say, I, I don't know. You know, I, I don't. I don't know what we're gonna get tonight. I think there's a disconnect between him and Keith. At the end of the day, you look in the first round. There was times where Marner would go take shifts for Nylander, and Nylander not being on the power play, I'm sure that mm. frustrates him at times. There's a disconnect. You know, I would love to see the period-by-period breakdown, if you could pull that up or one of you guys, for Nylander, because he played 18 minutes, too. Yeah. And Barner played seven and a half more minutes than Nylander. So if you're Nylander and you're playing that good in the second and third period, or, you know, halfway through the second, but especially the third, and your mate that's sitting next to you is still getting seven more minutes Mm. of ice time than you, three and a half more on the power play. I'm sure you're not happy. And I'm sure it leaks into his play because all of a sudden he's like, Hey, I'm a guy that's relied on. Now I'm not relied on. Now I'm not in this situation. Now I'm not fully focused and ready to go out there and execute. I believe that's the situation and that's the issue. And then it allows his mind to wander probably on the bench. Cause he's not actually on the ice. And then he's not on, you know, then maybe he's not following up a penalty kill sometimes because they're going to Matthews and Marner after penalty kills. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it, it could frustrate a guy. And I'm sure that leak, that's what leaks into his game. And that's why you're seeing a guy at times. that's very inconsistent much to maybe it's his fault as well, because he's not becoming, or maybe he's not coming fully ready to each and every game, which you'd expect an NHL athlete to do. Mm-hmm. But I think that piece of it really leaks into his game. Yeah. I just, it's, uh, I, I can't, ever remember watching a leaf quite like him 
Like there was, there was a little bit of that with Kessel. I remember, you know, a famous story somebody has of how Phil would be in warm-up saying, I just don't have it tonight. <laughs> and, uh, that's just the way Can he you was. tell me that? Yeah, he would just start games. Yeah, he told a few guys that. That seems to be his thing that he would say sometimes, I just don't have it as the team's best player. Uh, I'm terrible. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just, and it like that came with a little bit of a different thing, though. And I, all respect to Kessel, as good of a player he was, I he's just not the freak that Nylander can be in terms of just yeah, what you saw last night with the zone entries and just flying around and nobody bodies bouncing off of him, ability to just get into those high traffic areas where yeah, he's just going into the middle of the ice, he's going to the front of the net, and he's creating things. It just. Boy, I, I, I really hope that he can just extend that and have himself a series. And then, yeah, like they get back into this one on the back of Nylander and all this stuff goes away. Like everybody can just say whatever they want about him. Now he'll have a, a bona fide track record. I do feel like he's a huge, huge, huge part of the series. The other guy is Marner, though. Marner was bad in game one, much better in game two. Um, what What's the difference there for you? Like they, they flip him on the power play and that works a lot better for him. I don't know why it took them so long to end up doing that, but what what made Marner better to you last night than, say, game one? He was darting in and out of holes. He was going to areas to get the puck that he, you know, when he's not well, he's not going to. But if you're watching on that power play and on the power plays where he was creating, usually when the Leafs power plays, and we've talked about this in the past, is because they're all standing still and they're stagnant. So it allows the penalty kill to kind of get into uh, their box or diamond or whatever it may be and take these guys away. But when they're moving around and then O'Reilly's interchanging with Taveras and that that's creating confusion on their part. And then all of a sudden Marner's kind of, you know, he's button hooking and making soft little plays into soft areas that defenders can't get their sticks on. I couldn't imagine how hard that would be to defend, especially and all of a sudden he button hooks right out and makes a quick little sauce play across to O'Reilly for a one-timer. So those, the way he's making plays when his feet are moving and his brain and everything's clicking at one time, there's nothing like it in the league. There really isn't nothing like Mitch Marner. Now he needs to do that more and he needs to do that more five on five if they're going to win a Stanley cup, but that's what he does so well. It's, it's when everything's moving at once and defenders don't know if he's going to shoot pass skate, whatever it may be. That's when he's in. That's when he's dangerous. But again, it comes down. He needs to do that more five on five. And if you think of Kucherov, it's not always on the power play too. He's doing these things five on five. He's creating the wall. You know, he, we talk about those plays where Kucherov will rim it to Kalorn or to Stamkos, and they'll rim it back to Kucherov. And then all of a sudden, it looks like they're setting up power play five on five. These are things that Marner's going to need to do, and Matthews especially, if they're going to start to. Uh, hurt them five on five and, and, and control the pace of play in the game five on five and they can do it. But that's what, you know, when Marner's going, that's what he's doing best. How big is the Nye's injury if he can't play? It's big. He, again, I think there's other guys in the lineup that can help and fill in that situation. You know, whether it is a Kerfoot, is Holmberg going to come back in? Obviously, they don't bring the same offense that denies and physicalness that he can bring. Mm-hmm. But again, I think they have a lot of guys that can still come in and they can fill a role. I, I, you know, I, I don't think he is the savior. I think he's a good player who's played very well. But I think you got a lot of other really good players too that can fill that minute. Yeah, I just you got to you got to rely on him though. He's relied on nice. He yeah. doesn't even rely on some of his old guys. So think about that being a guy like a Kerfoot or these guys that have been with 
chief for so long. And all of a sudden, Nyes comes in, and he's a college kid getting more minutes or more situations or more D-zone face-offs, and you're relied on more. And you've been there for six games. Yeah, he's earned it. But you also have guys that have done this in the past and have been there in the past that can do it too. So he's going to have to rely on guys that he's gone to in the past. Yeah, the uh, the nice one for me is he was on the ice for every single, you know, big end-of-game goal, which... Yeah, he's got the mojo it, right now. Yeah, and, and there's also just, there's been a confidence to him that I've really liked. Like, like we talked about the fragility. I believe it's there, okay? Like, I, I just, I do think that those guys doubt themselves and that... Yeah, they've tightened up in some pretty big spots over the years uh, throughout these playoff disappointments, and I think it did happen again last night to start the second period. And the one thing I really like about Nyes is the same thing I like about O'Reilly. Not that O'Reilly, like, the difference is O'Reilly's won a cup, he's been a sucky winner, but they just feel like, yeah, I'm not concerned by any of this. Nyes, too young, uh, you know, too confident to feel any of the weight of that past right now. Hasn't been around long enough. Wasn't around this season for the media stuff and for the... Yeah, the day-to-day of this team for getting berated by the coach. He's just there. He's hungry. He's happy. He's thrilled to be there. He's bringing a ton of energy. Good. And he's been great. By the way, I just saw they've got the highlights up again of the two Bennett plays. I I actually do think he should get a game. I'm not even being a homer. The first one, it is way more of a takedown than I thought it was in the moment. And yeah, the the two cross-checks to... Sorry, I got distracted, but it's just like they're they're bad, man. They're really yeah. You gotta get it. Should be one game. They're they're but. really bad. I'm not. I, I know he's like a really impactful player in the series, and there's someone listening to this going, "Man, it's just a hockey player, soft, and you're being a homer." Blah blah blah. It's quite like the first one is right in his ear, like it's right in his ear, and then he chops him again. And this is after. I do think that those two plays should be kind of cumulative. This is where being Toronto media is good. These highlights should run all day, like and nonstop. Should be on a loop. Yeah, it's <laughs> just loop, loop, 100%. loop, loop, loop. Even Maurice, like when he's watching the play, because he's clearly looking at it on a monitor or something when they're discussing it, and he is like, his face looks a bit concerned. I'll say that. Body language uh, there is not super great with him watching one of his most important, like what, three players, four players make those plays? Not a, not a good one. Um, okay, last one for you. I didn't uh, prepare you for this, so I apologize because I did think about it on the way in. But I was hoping that the answer would be so good that you wouldn't have to think about it too long. So I, I actually really respect the reporter that asked this question. And I like I love his work. And I, I don't normally do media critique because I am not nearly as good as a lot of media people. And I could not do some of those jobs. But did you see the question that Samsonov got asked yesterday in Scrum? Is the answer uh, about Bob? Yeah. Okay. So he gets Who asked, asked that. I, I'm not saying, obviously, but he gets asked the question about. Bobrovsky, and it was a bit of a weird question, but not insane, like not the worst question I've ever heard. But the thing that got me where I just, I kind of laughed, yes, it was he, he basically asked him like, what do you make of Bobrovsky's game? And then when he gets the answer, which is, yeah, can you play? Yeah, that was the answer. <laughs> that was Samsonov, <laughs> uh, which was hilarious. I loved it. It actually ingratiated. People were pretty pissed at Samsonov. He's getting outplayed in this series, and then he does that, and everybody loves a cuss word and angry Russian goalie. And but the follow up where he goes, "Why not?" right in his face. I I went full laugh out loud, funny. And I maybe want to just know what, what's the what's your favorite in terms of looking back. Worst question you got ever asked or most pissed off you ever got by, yeah, a question. Oh, dude, that was awesome. I yeah. thought Samson was awesome. And back, I, and, and was Samson, I didn't think he's that bad. No, he's I, not. I thought, That's why I got pissed yesterday when people kept talking about they're getting out goalied and 
It's yeah. like just because the one guy's playing out of his freaking mind brilliant doesn't mean that Samsonov. Like the Leafs have two goals in two straight games against that Panthers defense. Like a team that conceded more than just about anybody else in the NHL, had 23rd ranked penalty kill. Like at the if your goalie's letting in three and yeah, <laughs> you're the turning one. Yeah, the only one you could question is maybe the Barkov, but that yeah. thing dipped. And Barkov's Barkov has a very good release, and yeah. he picked that corner. So there, I don't really find any of the goals against concerning against Samsonov in that game. And yeah, he he lets in some leaky ones, but mm-hmm. you know I didn't think he's been that bad. I think actually Samsonov's been pretty good. As for reporters, when you're in situations, I, I would have to go back and look at. You know, I've said a lot of dumb things, so I mean, I don't even know. But I, I, I go back and think, yeah, shocking. Hey, yeah. Uh, I think about all the times when you're in a heated situation or you're in a playoff series, and you get asked the, like a question where it's like, "Are you kidding me?" or like, "Is that really a question?" And you're going to give an honest answer at that time. It's it's great to see. I yeah. love seeing Samson obviously, and obviously yeah. you do too. Yeah, of course. But I, I, I would have to go back in the archive and really think about sure. that one. What the, you know, the worst question I was ever asked, but it's not shocking. You know, he, he's given his heart out there and he feels like he was asked a dumb question. He's like, are you, are you kidding me right now? So, and I, I loved it. Yeah. I, I do think that a lot of times athletes, and I get it. You're coming off of a highly intense game and you don't want to be doing the media stuff anyway. You hate it, but it is a part of it. And I do think that sometimes guys are pretty big babies about it. Like the meltdowns that you see certain guys have, you go, okay, um, all right. And this, the guy has a job to do. Like the most embarrassing one of all time is uh, Dan Boyle with, uh, uh, what's Brooks. the, yeah, Brooks, Larry. where he's just like, yeah. get out of here. This is our place. Get out of here. Like, no, I was like, oh man, just it's, it's like, you're an adult. What are you doing? This is so, so bad. Like, I, if I'm him, I'm paying whoever to just get that scrubbed from the internet because we've all had our embarrassing moments like that where we're being huge piss babies. But yeah, that you don't want to have it be like a famous clip. But anyways, there's just some times like that where I go, man, you're just losing your mind. Just relax. Just answer the question. Move on. But yeah, that one it was just <laughs> it's if, clearly searching. Oh, it was great. If we're yeah. going through press conferences yesterday, yeah, I, I feel like Keith's was the worst to me. Really? Why? Just the energy. He was pissed. The energy to me. He's pissed, and he has the right to be. Mm-hmm. But if I'm looking at, or I, I would rather have Keith like up there swearing, saying rather than looking disgusted. You know, huh. I don't know. It's kind of I, his move, I look though. at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look at uh, O'Reilly, uh-huh. and you listen to his press conference, and you just see a guy like you said. He's been there, and he's not worried. Yeah, but and, he's the man. Like, and he's the you man. Know, I, it's I it's, it, you, it's tough to replicate being the man. I get it. But you got to try to be. You're you're out there leading your team. If you go back through Joel Quenville interviews, yeah. if you go back through a lot of these top coaches' interviews, they get mad, but there is a certain stoicness to them where they're not frazzled. I, I mean, I don't know. That's that's something where I'm looking at all the interviews last night, and then when I look at Samsonov, I loved it too because he was just like a warrior. He's like, ah, oh, I don't care. Yeah, Bob, yeah. I don't care. You yeah. know, whatever. Yeah, I thought it was great. I, Could you I imagine it went the other way, though? Like, I, I, that's the thing about the question is that it's like, what did you expect him to say? That he was going to be like, 
you know what? I'm really proud of him. <laughs> you he's know? such a good goaltender. Yeah, like Great guy. Yeah, I love exactly, what he's doing right now. Exactly. It's just, it was such a, like, as soon as the, he's got to be, if you're doing reviewing your own tape, you got to be thinking, like, what was the answer I was looking for here? Like, what was I say? What was, what was he going to say? What type of position did I put him in? Anyways, we got to go. Um, we got to, I'm just, if you want to make money, you can listen to the rest of the show because I'm red hot gambling right now, buddy. Like I am on a all-time heater. I just got to tell you, I hit again last night. Just whew, it's red hot stuff for Botano. But yeah, Christopher Stieg, uh, two-time Stanley Cup champion, and uh, yes, again, creator of the Clever app, which is free in the App Store. So yes, if you're a parent, got kids in sports, you're a coach. Uh, you're associated with sports in any way, you should just download this app. It's free and check it out. And yeah, if you need the tutorial again, Chris is there 24 hours a day. He's ready to talk, talk to you and walk you through everything and take as much time as you need. Hey buddy, thanks for uh, making the time today. We'll talk to you soon. Always a pleasure. See you, man. Christopher Stieg. Um, so last night I was disgusting. It was, I was sad because, well, first of all, when these games end and I'm up and I just finished a show, it's hard for me just to wind down immediately and go, okay, look, bedtime. Yeah, you're Stop. wired. Yeah, I am. But the hardest part is to just not eat, right? Uh, it's like, don't eat. After stressing about a game like that, too. And that's the thing. Yeah. I ate too early, and then I had this LeBron bet oh, sitting no. there. <laughs> well, so LeBron had, I think, 17 in the first half. But what did old JD say? It was going to be a blowout for the Warriors. And LeBron was going to sit. And mm-hmm. thank God he sat. And, and guess what? I also said he's not really shooting the three well. And he clanged a three. He cl- <laughs> His last shot of the game was a clanger three. <laughs> you can hear and, it. And I, I did a fist. And I was so jacked from that win that I started to eat a little bit of ice cream, which I shouldn't even have in my place. It was just a mistake. It was uh-huh. a mistake to be Bad. there. Dude, I keep nothing. And I had it there. And it was there for... What quote unquote uh, the first hot day was what I told myself when I bought that. Right, you, the lies you tell yourselves when you go to buy junk food. Like, what if I have people over oh. and I have to, you know, give everybody snacks? <laughs> it's mental gymnastics. Yeah. Anyway, I did that with the ice cream, where I was like, yeah, it could it's gonna be hot soon, and I'll have to have a, a cool down treat for when it's so hot outside. It's the only way to get cool. I won't turn it's a fan on. Degrees and rainy. Yeah, I won't turn a fan. <laughs> yeah, and I ate like a bit of this thing, and it just was like. I'll eat just a little bit more. I'll say a little bit more. I put it away. I was like, this has to go away. And I still couldn't sleep because I was so jacked from the LeBron victory. I ate the whole pint. Uh, yeah. One, one night pint. Just crushed oh, it. Midnight. No. Awful move. Obviously a complete mess this morning. Just not, <laughs> I'm not in it. I'm surprised that I was able to come. I genuinely thought I, when I, when I finished that pint of ice cream, I looked out. First of all, I was disgusted with myself. <laughs> But second of all, I thought, yeah, I'm telling these guys I'm working from home tomorrow. I, just, <laughs> I can't show my face in public. <laughs> I need to sleep. I need to rest. But oh, no. I'm carried. I'm buoyed by this glorious winning streak that we have mm-hmm. with Botano. And again, called it exactly. LeBron, under, because it's going to be a blow and he's going to sit. The guy sat the entire fourth quarter. And yeah, some of you uh, are reaching out. Some of you hit me in the DMs. Some of you are trying Botano. It's great. I love it. I wish more of you did it. I don't know why some of you aren't. You got to ride. What did what did Versteeg just say? You got to be like, ride the hot hand. Exactly. And right now, this hand is hot. You got to play the guys that are going. Correct. So, another best bet. Next. Sportsnet 590. The fan. 
Subscribe to the podcast. Leave five stars. Share it. Don't be the worst. It's free. <laughs> All those things, they really help out the show. You don't have to feel like just a vulture. It's been you your theme be word a, this week. You can be a contributor. <laughs> yeah. And some of you are listening and you're like, nah. And to those of you that are doing that, I say, I use the word that Poprovsky used. All right? <laughs> Except for to you. All right? The word that, that Bob used or Sam Sonov used? Oh, yeah. Sorry, Sam Sonov. Yeah. Baffling. Yeah, no, that's not the one. <laughs> but that's actually true that's as a well. Good one Why well. do it is baffling. Um, man, the thing about you mentioned how, you know, sometimes you'll eat the whole bag of chips. I'm like, yeah, yeah it's I just know. called being a human. But I think actually the craziest thing I've ever seen is one of my old college roommates, Shawnee, mm-hmm. he would open up bags of chips and he actually could take like, I don't know, what what's a portion of a chip? Handful? Yeah, no, you know how it's like they actually put the portion? I wish they wouldn't do, like for me, I want the actual nutritional information just to be what is the whole exactly. bag? Yes. What is the whole pint? That will shame me enough. That, now yeah. I have to do the math and I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? It's like it's like when you put a term paper in a little late and you go, oh, it's only 3% a day. That's good. I'll get 97%. You know, it's like <laughs> I need the full information of the food. But he would basically have portions of chips. Like he could have a bag of chips last him four days. It was nuts. Five days. Wow. I'd, yes. It a was, whole week? What? Dude, he'd have like a few chips, crumple on the top of the bag, put the chip clip on and put it away. And I've never seen anything like it. It's still to this day <laughs> the most fascinating. Like I've, the moon landing, one small step is nothing compared to Shawnee eat, mm. eat, eat, making a bag of chips last five days. Anyways, it's time for Best Bets brought to you by Botano, the 2022 Global Sports Betting Operator of the Year. Another hit. LeBron under 25 and a half points. That if we can close this. Well, we did because it's Friday. What am I saying? We don't have a show tomorrow. Uh, that's two weeks with only two misses. So to the haters, I say eat it. <laughs> and to the. The people, the good people. Actually, Jobo, you start. You give me because you, you're all fired up about a best I, bet. I so do you, like Aaron Gordon not, over 14 and a half points tonight okay. at minus 128. He's played the Suns really well this year mm-hmm. at 23 points in game one. Uh, went over that in game two as well. He always mm-hmm. matches up well against them. And I see him going over 14 and a half tonight. I'm going with the Celtics. Mm. Um, I just, I loved them going into the series. I think that the Sixers are really bad matchup. And I think that the first game, the Harden just unbelievable performance the mm-hmm. the 45 pointer yeah the no one expected this out of Harden the second game back from a big injury like Embiid is having mm-hmm. I think that's the toughest one Celtics present just a million matchup problems for them I don't think that home court should be worth that much I really like the Celtics here in this one I'm, I'm grabbing them on the money line on Botano a million different things to bet on the site best book in Ontario we'll see you next week hopefully with the Leafs back in the series